Hey, how you doing, guys? So the first day of Trump's impeachment is behind us. It's Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Um, It actually wasn't the first day of the impeachment. The first day of the impeachment is today. Uh, They were just figuring out if they needed to go forward with impeachment, which, of course, as you know, they uh, they did. Even uh, six Republicans joining in. I'll get to that in a second. PVTV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. This is a short one for you today, right, guys? Uh, yeah, uh, Google uh, Political Views TV podcast, and I'll and I'll show up right there at the top. And uh, tell your friends about me. Tell them say, hey, come check this guy out. He's okay. And let them try me once. If they don't like me, fine, whatever. I'm not, I'm not anything special. I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts out there. So after four hours of arguments from Trump's lawyers and, the, uh, of course, the Democratic uh, impeachment managers, the vote was 56 to 44 yesterday on the question of whether the Senate had uh, jurisdiction and could proceed. Uh, two weeks ago, um, Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy He voted in favor uh, of an effort to dismiss. But yesterday, he voted with Democrats to move forward. Uh, And, and, you know, good on him. I mean, he came at it with an open mind, and he actually said that. Uh, Cassidy joined Republican Senators Collins of Maine. uh, Let me see. Susan, Susan Collins of Maine? Uh, Lisa Murkowski of uh, Alaska, Ben Sasse of uh, Nebraska, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, and Mitt Romney uh, rounding out the the original five. Cassidy said, "Uh, I have always said I was approaching this with an open mind. Anyway, if you watch the House impeachment managers, they nailed it. And you got a preview. Uh... Because they said many things I said two days ago. You got a huge preview on this thing, right? They talked about everything that I talked about. The, uh, <clears throat> the arguments by Trump's lawyers were so infantile. Uh, they were laughable, to be perfectly honest. I was, I, I was literally laughing. I was laughing out li- loud at some of the things that they said uh, while watching them. And, and, and double takes. I mean, there are arguments... Some of them made zero sense. I mean, they were just rambling. It was crazy. Uh, Anyway, uh, in opening remarks yesterday, uh, uh, Trump's lawyer, uh, Bruce Castor, said, (laughs) and I I know this, uh, this is one of the things that I laughed at. He said, the American people are smart enough to pick a new administration if they don't like the old one. And and they just did. Oh man, that I'm sure Trump hated that. And there's reports today that that Trump really did not like the job that they did. Anyway, uh, later Castor referred to Trump saying he was removed by voters. Uh, you think Trump is going to fire him for that? Trump is running out of lawyers. I, if this gets too criminal, people are going to be like. I don't want to represent this guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, the most moving speech, and I saw this and I was like, man, 
This is rough. Uh, came from Jamie Raskin from uh, Maryland. Uh, my neck of the woods, where, where uh, I originally grew up. I, I grew up in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, he's in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is right next to Prince George's County. And I used to work in Montgomery County. Any, anyway, uh, Representative uh, uh, Jamie Raskin, the uh, lead house impeachment manager, he, he grew emotional as he uh, uh, concluded the Democrats' uh, uh, first round of arguments, the House impeachment managers' first round, uh, round of arguments. Ra- Raskin spoke about his personal experience in the Capitol during the insurrection. He had been joined by family members that day. He needed to be with them. The day after he buried his son, who took his own life in December, committed suicide. He wanted to, needed to be with his family. He wanted to do his job, but he needed to be with his family. His daughter and son-in-law were in an office in the Capitol and hid under a desk where they sent what they thought were their final texts. He says, they thought they were going to die. Oh, man. He was separated from them in the House chamber. Uh, Raskin described people around him calling to say goodbye to their families, members removing their congressional pins to try and evade detection. And he said he heard rioters pounding on the door like a battering ram, a sound he said he'd never forget. He choked up as he uh, uh, recounted his daughter, telling him she never wanted to return to the Capitol again after what happened to her. Uh, He was crying. I mean, he said... This cannot be the future of America. And I I feel it with them. I mean, to have your family there, possibly they could have have been killed. I don't know, man. Now that I have your attention, let's try and fix the world anyway. Uh, House impeachment managers uh, will continue their case today. And they will not be focusing only uh, on Trump's speech on the day of the insurrection, you know, that, that crazy speech he had. They will be talking about everything said over the, uh, those couple of months. The, the lies that were purposely used in a concerted effort to, to create the means for an insurrection. Let me tell you, if those people had gotten to the Senate chamber, uh, to the, is it the Senate chamber or the House chamber? Uh, if they had gotten there in time to kill some people, do you think Trump would have said, okay, I will stay president for you? Of course he would. That's what coups are. That's what insurrections are by any means possible. Of course, we would hope that the court would have uh, thrown him out of office. But I can't imagine what would have happened later. Ted Cruz wrote a one-sided op-ed for uh, Fox, uh, Fox uh, online, uh, the, the Fox website, I guess. Uh, called, should the Senate exercise jurisdiction over Trump's impeachment trial? Why the Answer Matters. And uh, uh, subtitle, uh, nothing 
in the text of the Constitution requires the Senate to choose to exercise jurisdiction. Eh, importantly worded, if you want to listen to the parsing of those words. Um, what he's saying, what he, what he's saying, is is that the the Senate doesn't need to choose to do it. They can just say, "Oh, okay, it's over, whatever." But but they can't really. You you can't really. You had an insurrection. Anyway, he may have alternative reasons simply because investigators at looking at his involvement. So he has an alternative reason. You know, he, he really wants uh, to stay in the Senate and he's being investigated to see how much he helped. Anyway, more Giuliani trouble. We're moving on. Uh, this time, uh, more treason. <clears throat> Ukraine released a phone call with Giuliani in which he basically threatened them to try and get help for Trump's election. Uh, this was a Time Magazine story. Um, Giuliani's call was three days before the famous Trump call. On the other end of the line, Ukrainian officials listened and uh, uh, as Giuliani, uh, Giuliani demanded probes that could help, um, you know, then President Trump win another term uh, in office. He was demanding... Uh, um, probes of Hunter Biden. Giuliani uh, told the presidential headquarters in Kiev, uh, Ukraine, let these investigations go forward. Get some someone to investigate uh, this. Uh, uh, stuff like that. The 40-minute call, a trans uh, transcript of which was obtained by Time, uh, provides a clear picture of Giuliani's attempts to pressure Ukrainians on Trump's uh, behalf. Uh, the president's uh, personal lawyer toggled between veiled threats, like be careful, he, he would warn repeatedly, and promises to help improve Ukraine's relations with Trump if they helped. Um, Giuliani said, my only motive, it isn't to get anybody in trouble who doesn't deserve to be in trouble, you understand. For our country's sake and your country's sake, we need to get all these facts straight. He added, we fixed them and we put it behind us. You know? The conversation kicked off the uh, campaign of intimidation that resulted in Trump's first uh, impeachment, you know, for, for that phone call. For a year and a half, Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky, the former TV actor, and his aides said little about their interactions with Giuliani, not wanting to anger an emissary to the U.S. president. But now, as the Trump era ends with a historic second, second impeachment trial, the Ukrainians have begun to speak up about the circumstances that led to the first impeachment. Uh-oh! <laughs> they are also taking steps that could imperil Giuliani uh, and... Uh, his uh, Ukrainian allies. Uh, allies. Uh, Igor uh, Novikov, who uh, served as a close advisor to Zelensky during the Trump's first impeachment, says he is willing to assist an ongoing federal investigation of Giuliani that is reportedly underway in New York, as well as, uh, you know, separate efforts to strip Giuliani of his license to practice law, which that's ongoing as well. Uh, Zelensky's government has taken legal action against Giuliani's Ukrainian associates, and they have uh, opened up uh, to the media about the pressure campaign mounted by uh, Trump and uh, his allies. 
on February 3rd, Nova, Novikov sent Time a, a transcript of the uh, Giuliani call, and since then, they've been able to verify it. So COVID is bad, right? I've heard that. Wait a minute. Am I doing this right? Yes, I'm doing this right. COVID is bad, right? Um, it is now the number one cause of death in the world. Number one cause of death. <coughs> Excuse me. But suppose you found something that was implicated in nearly 20% of deaths in the world. What would you do? Would you fight to end it? This is killing 20% of the people in the world. Why aren't we doing something about it? Would you try and stop it? You know, the new findings published yesterday in the journal Environmental Research suggests exposure to particulate matter from fossil fuel emissions is far more deadly than previously thought, uh, revealing that fossil fuel-related air pollution killed an estimated 8.7 million people in 2018 alone, accounting for 18% of the total global deaths that year. Um, and we know the fossil fuel industry knew this all along, but uh, the study, they, they, they were using old ways to determine how many from particulate matter, but they refined them and uh, uh, they looked at areas small enough as like, uh, what, um, uh, as small as cities uh, to determine uh, deaths related to this. Um, just like big tobacco knew, you know, yeah, uh, big oil knew just like big tobacco knew, uh, about the danger of cigarettes decades before the public knew uh, this is all Ford V Dodge again. I I've talked about this precedent, which allows corporations to literally get away with murder. Um, I I've talked about it a couple times. I should remind new listeners Ford V, v Dodge. I I'll give you the brief explanation. Uh, 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 Henry Ford wanted to pay his employees enough money where they could, too, afford to buy a car. So, it sounds like a good idea. Dodge came in and said, wait a minute, I'm an investor. You're supposed to pay me first. So Dodge sued Ford. And the court found that Ford is supposed to pay its investors. So that meant employees could not get paid enough. Anyway, uh, Dodge v. Ford comes up all the time as the reason why corporations do things. They have to cater to their bottom line. They have to cater to their investors. They're required by law. Moving on. Uh, the researchers found that regions with the highest concentrations of fossil fuel-related air pollution have the highest death rates. They also found a higher mortality rate for long-term exposure to fossil fuel emissions, including at lower levels. Uh, moving on, China's Huawei Technologies Company, H-U-A-W-E-I, not Hawaii, Hawaii, or Huawei. Eh. Well, whatever. Uh, they filed a lawsuit in the U.S. disputing its designation as a national security threat by the uh, FCC. Uh, the lawsuit filed Monday in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit Court uh, asked for a review of the FCC ruling last year that found the company poses a national security threat and blocked American telecommunication operators from accessing 
a multi-billion dollar fund to buy Hawaii-made telecom gear. Um, uh, Hawaii needs chips uh, that they're uh, being blocked from getting right now, basically. They, they have like six months supply of chips left. And um, it's going to be years before companies in China are, are at the level of technology for making chips that the, the U.S. is. So anyway, the founder of Hawaii said yesterday he doubts President Joe Biden will remove U.S. sanctions. Um, uh, that That's detrimental to the telecom equipment giant's uh, smartphone sales, but express confidence the company can survive. Uh, Trump cut, cut off Hawaii's access uh, to U.S. processor chips and other technology needed to make smartphones in 2019, uh, last year. Uh, also, Trump uh, uh, tightened those curbs by prohibiting suppliers from u- using U.S. technology to make chips for Hawaii designed by uh, Hawaii's engineers. Uh, founder Ren uh, Zengfei says he expects Biden to consider U.S. chip and other suppliers that are losing billions of dollars in sales to Hawaii. Uh, but he, he said it, it's very unlikely. Hawaii will be removed from the entity list. In other words, he's thinking that, he's hoping that uh, Biden will say, okay, we will allow companies to sell to Hawaii, but we won't allow Hawaii to uh, sell stuff to the United States because they can't, Hawaii can't get those chips right now. Moving on, Quaker Oats. I don't like Quaker Oats, uh, honestly. Um, a lot of their Quaker Oat products, I'm gluten-free, and a lot of their Quaker Oat products has gluten in them, so I don't eat them. I go to other companies. Anyway, and I talk to them about it. They don't care. They don't care. They say there's plenty of uh, 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 wheat-free products, but if you say Quaker Oats on, uh, on the title and uh, claim it's an oat product, but it's full of wheat... Anyway, I'm going on a rant here. Let's, let's, let's end the rant, rant now and say Quaker Oats has finally decided on a name for their Aunt Jemima brand in an attempt to erase the uh, racist stereotype. A uh, PepsiCo spokesman said, PepsiCo, of course, Quaker Oats, it's huge conglomerate. We are starting a new day with Pearl Milling Company. A new day rooted in brand's historic beginning and its mission to create moments that matter at the breakfast table. Wow, what a great line (laughs) written for that guy. Uh, The new brand is scheduled to launch in June, one year after the company announced the change. Aunt Jemima was one of several food brands, including, you know, Uncle Ben's, Cream of Wheat, uh, Miss Butterworth's. You know, I never saw Miss Butterworth as uh, African American. I guess, I guess maybe she was. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, to announce uh, redesigns, uh, all these companies are re- uh, announcing redesigns as protests against systemic racism erupted across the United States. You know, this past summer, uh, the Pearl uh, Milling Company was the late 19th century business that created the original ready-made uh, pancake mix. And that's according to PepsiCo. It was founded in 1888 by a guy named Chris Rutt. Uh, Rutt named the original company after uh, Old Aunt Jemima. Uh, it's an 1875 song from a minstrel show that featured performers in blackface who were uh, wore aprons and bandana uh, headbands. Uh, PepsiCo said Pearl Mining uh, Milling Company will also announce an annual $1 million commitment to empower and uplift 
black girls and women in uh, coming weeks. Uh, this investment is in addition to PepsiCo's $400 million five-year commitment to advance and uplift the black community. Uh, that's what the company said. Uh, but now I'm kind of upset. My grandmother's name was Pearl, and she made really good pies and pancakes. It's time to pay my family for her name. I mean, come on. Grandma Pearl made the best peach cobbler you've ever had in your life. Moving on. A French nun, who is Europe's oldest person, has survived COVID-19. A Lucille Randon. Uh, who took the name Sister Andre in 1944, she tested positive for coronavirus on January 16th, but didn't develop any symptoms. Uh, She told uh, local media uh, she didn't even realize she had it. She isolated separately from the other residents in her retirement home in Toulon, southern France, but is now considered fully recovered. Uh, Sister Andrea, who is, she's blind and uses a wheelchair, is now looking forward to her celebrating her birthday tomorrow. Although she's uh, going to mark the occasion with a smaller group of residents than usual. Uh, it'll be her 117th birthday. And she survived COVID. Uh, Sister Andrea was born on, the, on February, uh, February 11th, 1904, uh, just short of Valentine's Day. Um, as well as being the uh, uh, Europe's oldest person, she's also the second oldest living person in uh, the world. So there you have it. Uh, and uh, I saw some short video of her. It looks like she's going to be uh, uh, lasting for a couple more years. I-, I think she would have to get to 122 to beat the record. We'll see if she can make it. Uh, anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Tuesday. It's a short one today, right? How short did I get it? Let's let, let's look and see. Eh, I didn't. I wanted it under twenty minutes, but I didn't quite make it. But that's okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Tuesday, February 9th. I'm sorry, February uh, Wednesday, February tenth, two thousand twenty-one. Wednesday, February tenth, two thousand twenty-one. PV TV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Thanks for coming, man. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I really do. Uh, Bring someone along with you if you can. That'd be nice. Who cares if they stay? They don't have any taste if they don't stay. Who cares about them then, right? (laughs) Remember, remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence reporting from Los Angeles.